Episode 68, Church History Part 24. In the 10th century, the Otto kings made their mark as Christianity further invades Europe. The Magars, the Slavs, Poland converts to Catholicism, beginning the baptism of Poland. In Ukraine, Valdemir is baptized, becoming the first Christian Grand Duke of Kiev. In the beginning of the 11th century, Stephen I, the King of Hungary, converts to Roman Catholicism, becoming the founder of the Catholic Church in Hungary. Between 1001 and 1002 AD, Otto III contracts a fever and dies at the age of 21. Otto III never married, so there was no clear successor of the Roman Empire. This allowed the counts of Tusculum to seize control. These counts were considered the most powerful secular noblemen in Latium, Rome. The counts would elect their popes to the throne. However, the seats of the papal throne were being bought. Popes were buying and selling the papal positions. The popes were also marrying and having sons, which meant heirs to the throne, and that was a no-no. At this point in time, the Roman Empire and the Roman Catholic Christian Church were massive landholders through theft and Christian conversions. Thus, feudalism was now an established feudal system which combined the legal, economic, military, and cultural customs in Europe. Webster defines feudalism as the system of political organization prevailing in Europe from the 9th to the 15th centuries, having at its basis the relation of lord to vassal with all land held in fee as chief characteristics, homage, the service of tenants under arms and in court, wardship and forfeiture, Vassal, it's a person under the protection of a feudal lord to whom he has vowed homage and fealty, a feudal tenant, one in a subservient or subordinate position. Fee, also called fief, is an estate in land held in feudal law from a lord on condition of homage and service, a piece of land so held. Ward is care and protection of a ward, the state of being under a guardian. Forfeiture is the loss of property or money because of a breach of legal obligation. So feudalism was structuring society by holding land in exchange for service or labor. With feudalism, there's also a hierarchy that explains very well by Duxters.com. First, there is the king. The top leader in the land was the king. The king could not control all of the land by himself, so he divided it up among the barons. In return, the barons pledged their loyalty and soldiers to the king. When the king died, his firstborn son would inherit the throne. When one family stayed in power for a long time, this was called a dynasty, the bishop. He was the top church leader in the kingdom and managed an area called a diocese. The Catholic Church was very powerful in most parts of medieval Europe, and this made the bishop powerful as well. Not only that, but the church received a tithe of 10% from all the people. This made some bishops very rich. And we know the Israelites did not give 10% of their gross earnings to anyone. The next level, the barons and the nobles. The barons and the high-ranking nobles ruled large areas of land called fiefs. 
They reported directly to the king and were very powerful. They divided up their land among lords who ran individual manors. Their job was to maintain an army that was at the king's service. If they did not have an army, sometimes they would pay the king a tax instead. This tax was called shield money, lords and knights. The lords ran the local manors. They also were the king's knights and could be called into battle at any moment by their baron. The lords owned everything on their land, including the peasants, crops, and the village. And the last level were the peasants or serfs. Most of the people living in the Middle Ages were peasants. They had a hard, rough life. Some peasants were considered free and could own their own businesses like carpenters, bakers, and blacksmiths. Others were more like slaves. They owned nothing and were pledged to their local lord. They worked long days, six days a week, and often barely had enough food to survive. Carl Stevenson in Medieval Feudalism states, Before a lord could grant land a fief to someone, he had to make that person a vassal. This was done at a formal and symbolic ceremony called a commendation ceremony, which was composed of the two-part act of homage and oath of fealty. During homage, the lord and a vassal entered into a contract in which the vassal promised to fight for the lord at his command, whilst the lord agreed to protect the vassal from external forces. Fealty comes from the Latin fidelitas and denotes the fidelity owned by a vassal to his feudal lord. Fealty also refers to an oath that more explicitly reinforces the commitments of the vassal made during homage. Such an oath follows homage. Once the commendation ceremony was complete, the lord and a vassal were in a feudal relationship with agreed obligations to one another. The vassal's principal obligation to the lord was to aid or military service. Using whatever equipment the vassal could obtain by virtue of the revenues from the fief, the vassal was responsible to answer calls to military service on behalf of the lord. The security of military help was the primary reason the lord entered into the feudal relationship. In addition, the vassal could have other obligations to his lord such as attendance at his court or at the king's court. The vassal's obligation could also involve providing counsel so that if the Lord faced a major decision, he would summon all his vassals and hold a council. At the level of the manor, this might be a fairly mundane matter of agricultural policy, but also could include sentencing by the Lord for criminal offenses, including capital punishment in some cases. In the king's feudal court, such deliberation could include the question of declaring war. And these are only examples depending on the period of time and location in Europe. Feudal customs and practices varied. Feudalism, we see, is defining a king, a bishop, a lord, which is why we should never call Yah or Yeshua Lord. It was never their name. And the name Lord is pagan, and the roots go all the way back to Baal. Chris Wickman in Medieval Europe writes, Here we are in the middle of the world in what is often called military feudalism. A wide elite of great aristocrats and knights did military service and showed political loyalty in return for gifts of office or land from kings or lesser lords, which they would lose if they were disloyal. 
Such men would often be called the Lord's sworn vassy or vassals, and the conditional land holdings would be called feoda or fiefs, hence the words feudal or feudo-vassalic in modern historical terminology. KingdomPreppers.com states, The aristocratic families of Rome and beyond the Alps ranked high among the noble families of the empire, a feat that achieved by receiving royal favor, acquiring substantial wealth, restricting themselves to marriages with close family lines, proving their military prowess through knighthood and other means. But by gaining control of the papal selection, these families among the lay nobility became enemies of the clergy. They had to be dealt with. With invasion of the Magyars and Vikings, the church turned to French barons and German kings for support. But that meant that many among the upper ranks of the Catholic clergy and even the abbots within the monastic movement had to swear allegiance to these elites by becoming their vassals, for which they received fiefs or land that forced them to provide feudal services to their new lords. These bishops and abbots looked to the Roman pontiff as the shepherd of the church and their true head on earth. So having to become vassals to lesser powers proved to be a problem. But the papacy was in turmoil due to various factions of this diabolical nobility. These opposing loyalties led to what came to be known as the investiture controversy, wherein a bishop or abbot who assumed office received two investitures. Supposed spiritual authority was bestowed by the church, but feudal or civil authority was bestowed by a king or noble to whom the bishop or abbot was vassal. In this period, however, feudal lords and kings gained control of selecting and installing bishops and abbots and other clergy. In Germany, where the king's power extended to the control of the church, this was most pronounced. The church was in no position to challenge the power of the king or even lesser feudal lords. Widespread corruption and greed inhibited many from even attempting a change of the circumstance. Thus, feudalism and all it represented created classes of people in society, higher classes versus lower classes, bishops and lords versus the peasants, nobles. It created social and economic inequality. The top of the hierarchy controlled everything and became the wealthiest as the lower classes did all their dirty work. The lower classes would fight the hard wars and battles invading lands and bring all the loot or possessions to the king or to their lord. And in return, get a small piece of land to be taxed on, or sometimes nothing at all, depending on where you fell in the hierarchy. This go to war for me and I will give you this plan was the feudal system. BaylorLChristopherSite.com states in this essay, the feudal system established in medieval Europe was the basis for oppression, with nobility claiming superior rights and holding serfs and peasants subordinate in socio-economic positions. Absolutism continued this trend with power consolidated in the hands of a king chosen by divine right, disregarding popular representation. Their powers were supreme with ability to tax and limit freedoms to the detriment of most of the population. 
And yes, this feudal system is in operation today as Japheth and Esau run the world for now. In 1049 AD, Leo XI becomes the Bishop of Rome and ruler of the Papal States. He was considered to be a man of integrity and the most significant German Pope of the Middle Ages. He favored celibacy for clergy in the Catholic Christian Church. Historians cited Pope Leo XI saying the clergy could not legally Mary. Thus, one of Leo's first public acts was to hold the well-known Easter Synod of 1049, at which celibacy of the church down to the rank of subdeacon was required anew. Also, the Easter Synod was where the Pope at least succeeded in making clear his own convictions against every kind of simony, which is the act of selling church offices and roles or sacred things. It is named after Simon Magnus, who in Acts offered to pay the disciples for the Holy Ruach. Encyclopedia.com states, Leo's reign marked the beginning of a true papal reform and of the liberation of the church from both the Roman nobility and German imperial entanglements. In 1054 AD, political and theological divisions caused a permanent split between the Eastern and Western churches, known as the East-West Schism. Churches had to form to Latin practices or be forced to close down. There were disputes about using unleavened bread for the Eucharist. The East was against the unleavened bread, which was a practice in the West. They had questions about Jesus being the additional origin point of the Holy Spirit or not. Lastly, was the Bishop of Rome the universal authority of the entire church? Could the Bishop of Rome claim universal jurisdiction? Men doing their own thing, forming their own laws with no instruction from the Most High, Yeshua, or the Holy Ruach. After Leo XI died, Pope Nicholas was elected Pope by the Count of Tusculum in 1058 AD. He issued a decree on papal elections in 1059 AD to change the election procedures. This is very important. The Synod adopted an electoral reform with a declaration of independence on the part of the church. Popes were now to be selected by the cardinals in assembly at Rome. Roman noblemen and German emperors would no longer select popes. Now, the Roman Catholic Christian Church leadership is centralized and controlled. They can make sure they have the absolute control in appointing popes and clergy in their church. Control power and wealth by any means necessary. But Ecclesiastics 3 reminds us, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate a time of war, and a time of peace. I know that whatsoever Yah doeth, it shall be forever. 
Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And Yah doeth it, that men should fear before him. As we seek truth, please seek truth with us. Please send questions or comments to info at truthwars.com or come it here. We don't claim to know everything. We just seek the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that knows everything. Let truth roar. Let truth reign. Let truth speak. And let truth set you and your entire family free. Truth roars. Truth reigns. Truth speaks. Truth sets me free. Please see a podcast disclaimer at truthwars.com.